This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We've been talking again uh, from the teachings of, uh, of Jesus as he instructed his disciples and and along with the disciples, of course, there were there were many in the multitude that were there listening in. They, you know, when it rains, it rains on on the just and the unjust. And the Pharisees, they they were there also. But this is this is principally an instruction for for those that have, that have pulled themselves apart, those that that have called the kingdom of heaven their own, those that have set themselves separate by purpose and with the, with great intention. That they would not follow after the pattern of the world system, but that they would follow a different pattern, the pattern that is established by the Heavenly Father. And we said that um, as, as, we, as we looked into these teachings that, you know, Jesus, he began to talk to them about the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to meet the people exactly where they were. He says, we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven in this present age because I, I, I know where you are right now. Uh, I'm not some, some, some scholar I'm not some some carpet bagger. I'm not some 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 renegade prophet that's just going to come and and just put platitudes over your problems and give you promises instead of solutions. But I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you exactly where you are. And he says that that um, when the people when they consider themselves, in spite of what the world's judgment may be of them, in spite of what the uh, what the world system. May have, may have slaughtered them as. He says that, that when God looks at you, he considers you blessed. That if you, you've pulled yourself aside to, to hear and to learn, that it doesn't matter what your social status is, it doesn't matter what your economic status is, it doesn't matter how much schooling you've had or what, what job you have or what neighborhood you live in or what nation you happen to be from. He says that, that when God looks at you, he considers you blessed. He considers you blessed. He considers you in the, in, in the favored position. And he goes on and talks to them about the kingdom of heaven in this present age. And just as, as a quick refresher, we, we gave the, the, the children a, a, a tactile definition of the kingdom of heaven. We want them to understand that, that the kingdom is where the king has his reign and the king has his, his rule. The, the king has power in his kingdom. And when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven is, is, is the Lord's, it's God's reign and his rule in my heart. The kingdom of heaven is God's reign and, and his rule in my heart. And just, just hold on to that, just hold on to that, because, because where the king is, there is power. Where the king is, there is, there is power. Where the, where the kingdom exists. The king is able to implement his policies. The, the king is able to, to set the direction. He's able to set the atmosphere. He's able to, to set what, what the boundaries are. Because he reigns and, and he rules. So that, it, you know, when, when a king, in, in a foreign land, the king might have some influence. And so maybe in some other people. In some other places, the king, we might just be able to give a scripture or maybe be able to just give a good word. But where the king is in his kingdom, the king has power. 
If the king has, if the king is in my heart, the king has power in my life. He's able to set boundaries in my life. He's able to set the parameters in my life. He's able to have free access and free course in my life to do what he wants to do to accomplish his will. And I take great relief. I take great pleasure in that because I know it's, it's not about me. It's not about my ingenuity. It's not about my cunning. Because it's the king's power. It's not my power. It's the king's power. And what I do, I operate in because of the king's power. We said that natural kingdoms, when we look at natural kingdoms, they're, they're bounded by geography. We see that they're bounded by, by time. And I mentioned Alexander. Alexander tried to conquer the, the, the known world, but he got to India and he couldn't go any further. He, he could only go that far. He was bounded by the geography. We talked about Genghis Khan, how he wanted to conquer the world and, and he couldn't, he couldn't, he, he was able to go, go all the way over into what we call the modern day Turkey, but he couldn't conquer China. There, there, there were, there were geographic barriers to what he could accomplish. We talk about the great kingdoms that were established in, by, by Xerxes in the, in the Roman Empire and how even they began to crumble over time. We said that natural kingdoms are limited because, of, because natural kings are limited. Natural kingdoms are limited because of the limitations of natural kings. But in the kingdom of heaven, the Lord, he is from everlasting to everlasting. He's not bounded by any time. That you can, you can go all the way to the borders of space where you can make your home in the depths of the earth. And the Lord is still there. He's not bounded by geography. That the Lord has power in all and over all. I said he has power in all. And he has power over all. There's not any situation where you'll find that the kingdom is lacking. There's no situation where the kingdom is lacking. We said that the kingdom of heaven, that it's, it's, it's now, but it's also in the future. The kingdom of heaven, it's, it's right now, but it's also in the future. And we said that that's not because the king is limited. No, but that, that's, because we're, that's because of our, our, our flesh. That's because this, this corruptible has not put on incorruption. That this mortality has not put on immortality. And so because, because I have limits, I can only comprehend. I can, Lord, I can, I can go with you. I can only go with you so far. I can go with you to the extent of my abilities. But Lord, there's going to come a day. My hope is that there's going to be a day when I, I, I've taken off this mortal. In all, all of your full expression. All of your full power, all of your glory, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see it as, as looking face to face. I'm gonna, I'm gonna behold you as you are. And I will be filled with your glory. There'll be no, there'll be no limitations, but, but while we have this flesh, we are, we are circumscribed, we are, we are, we are restricted, we are, we are bounded. And the Lord says, that's not a problem for me. The Lord says, 
I know it's, it's, it's a limitation for you, but that's not a problem. It's, it's not an issue for the king. It's not an issue for the king. The king can use you where you are. The king can use you in your current state as you are. He can use you with your stutter. He can use you with your, with your, your skin color. He can use you with your education or lack of education. It doesn't matter where you are. The king has use for you in the kingdom. He's not limited by your age. He's not, not limited by, by what you think your abilities are. He says, I am that I am. He is in himself all sufficient. In himself, he has all sufficiency. That whatever you need him to be in order to accomplish his will, he can be that. Whatever is necessary for what God has given you to do, God has given you the necessary. He's saying, look, look beyond your limitations. Look beyond your boundaries. What it is is that we get so, so, so set up in our, in our comfort. We get, we get, we get cozy in our, in our comfort zones. That, that we, we forget that, that, that I am, that I am, that He can beyond our limitations. And so we get cozy in our comfort zones and we say, Lord, this is what I can do in my comfort zone. This is what I can do in, in a current social context. This is what I can do in a current economic environment. And He says, I, I am the King. And where the King is, there is power. Where the king is, there is, there is the ability to accomplish his will and his desire. Listen, we can't, we, we can't, we can't, we can't stay there. We got, we got to press forward. And, and the kingdom of heaven, he also addresses the law. He talks about what's been spoken because, you know, a lot of people want to say that there's a new word, there's a new word, there's a new thing. You need to come over here and see this new thing. You need to come in and get this new word. But the Lord says, I have spoken. And I've spoken again. The Lord has says that I, I've already given you my law. I've already, I've already given you my word. And so in Jesus and his teaching says, I, he says, I'm not, I'm not here to give you something that's at odds with what you've had before. He says, the word that has been spoken, that word shall be fulfilled. He says, if anything, I'm going to put you at odds with your application of the word. I'm going to put you at odds with your traditions. I'm going to put you at odds with your rationalizations, with your reasonings for how you can shortcut and do just a portion of what God is asking for. How you say you've bowed, 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 bended your knee and bowed your head in worship, but your heart it's far from me. So Jesus says that he is the fulfillment of the law. That he's come to set the standard of righteousness that far exceeds the pattern of the religious leaders. He says, I'm going to set a standard that far exceeds tradition. That far exceeds culture. I'm going to take you back to the true intention. To the true meaning. 
And then he begins to minister to the disciples about their relationship to the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's good to know that he's king. It's good to know that he's Lord. It's good to know that he's sovereign and that he reigns above all. But even more important, you need to know that he's your heavenly father. Listen, one does not negate the other. He is king. He is Lord. He is sovereign above all. And he's your, he's your heavenly father. He's your, he has a, a concern and care for you as a father does for his children. You know, we try to put these, these limitations and these boundaries on God based on our experiences with governments, based on our experiences in the natural, based on our experiences in our own homes. He says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what a father really is. I'm going to show you what care really is. I'm going to show you what concern really is. And Jesus begins to address the children. He begins to address his disciples to let them know that they are children of the Father which is in heaven. He says that, he teaches them that, that, that the Father, he, he wants you to be open. He wants you to be vulnerable. And he begins to instruct them in how to, how to remove the barriers and, and the walls that they've placed around their hearts, the, the boundaries that they've set in their minds because of, of where they are in their current context. And the Lord is trying to tell us, he's trying to say, you have to get out of your comfort zone. L- listen, there's, there's something that I'm trying to do in this ministry. There's something that I'm trying to do at this time, in this place, at Church of the Living Water of Austin that's based in Round Rock, Texas. There's, a, a, there's, there's something for you to do now. We're not, we're not waiting until all the variants have passed. There'll be Delta, and then there'll be Lambda, and then what's next? Gamma, then all the way to Zeta? What, what? We're going to go all the way through the alphabet. He said, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for this, 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 I'm going to call it the plague to be over. Listen, while there was a plague in Egypt, there was a light in Goshen. While judgment and punishment was being executed on the Egyptian people, there was still a light in Goshen. What does that mean? That means that God still has a a work. He still has a purpose for his people. He wants us to be that light. He wants us to be that lamp. But we 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 have to become open. We have to become vulnerable. We've got to come out of our, our, our walled houses where we can only allow certain things in. And we can only allow certain people to have access to us. He says, look, I need you to be open. I need you to be vulnerable. In the way that, that you become vulnerable, he says, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna become vulnerable to the Lord in your giving. It's, you're not, you're not going to give anymore to be seen of men, but you're going you're gonna to give as, as an act of worship. As an act of, of humility. You're giving back to the giver of all things. You are giving back to the giver of all things. He says you're going to become vulnerable. You're going to become open 
any of your prayers. No longer will you have vain repetitions and public displays. But you're actually going to open up your heart. You're going to pray that, that the will of the Father that is done in your life. You're going to pray that those that have, that have wronged you, that, that, you are, that you forgive them. And say, Lord, I'm even going to tie it in. Lord, as, as I forgive them, I want you to forgive me. If I don't forgive them, don't forgive me. But Lord, I purpose in my heart. I set my mind to it. I've set my intentions that those that wrong me, that I'm going to forgive them. Because I know that as, as, as I forgive them, that you're going to forgive me. And listen, Jesus, he goes on. He, he, he doesn't neglect the last portion. He says, you want to be open to God. You want to be vulnerable to God. You want to be used by God. You're saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to my heart. Tell me what is your desire. Tell me what is your pleasure that I may fulfill it. He says, listen, you're doing good with the giving. You're doing good in your alms. I love your prayers. They are a sweet savor as incense continually unto me. But you're going to have to fast. You're going to have to fast. Not, not as the world fasts. Not putting on a show, putting ashes on your face. And declaring to everyone, I'm on a fast, I'm on a fast, I'm on a fast. But no, this is, this is between you and God, your Heavenly Father. He says, you, you're going to have to fast in such a way that you actually, you, you are, or it's not for show, but it's, it's to push away those things that, that you desire in your flesh. Listen, it can't be for show because, because some of these things, no one even knows that you, you're still caught up in it. No one even knows that you still go to those websites and you still look at those, 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 those magazines. You still look at those movies and those shows. No one knows that in your phone book those numbers are still there. No, no one knows that on your Facebook account, if they go down to three pages of your friends, they'll find some of those old connections. No, no one knows that when the children have gone to sleep and, and the house is quiet, that instead of getting on your face before the Lord, you, you go into your, into your closet and instead of opening up your Bible, you open up your bottle and medicate. No one knows that, 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 that you are caught up in these things that so easily beset these weights that continue to hold you down. You're, you're walking and you're looking good and you smell good and everybody thinks everything's fine. But when you're all by yourself, there's tears in your eyes because you know you're caught up, you're bound. He says you're going to have to, you're going to have to fast to fast unto the Lord. You're going to have to put away those things that, 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 have, that have appeased your flesh. You're going to have to put away those things that have given you pride. Those things that have, have, have sated your natural appetites. You're going to have to put those away. And you're going to have to put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to put on righteousness. You're going to have to put on long-suffering, discipline, self-control. You're going to have to put on gentleness and humility. He says you're going to have to fast to fast unto the Lord. This, this is a father speaking to his children. He wants, he wants what's best for you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to deny you. He's not trying to withhold from you. In fact, he wants to pour into you. Church, if you could just get it into your minds that the Lord wants to pour into you. He wants to pour into you. We got this, this, this house in my, in my house. We have this, this, this crazy water. I don't know what it is, but anyway, we've tried various things and nothing, nothing works for long. And what happens is that with this water is that every now and again, in, in whatever it is, our, our faucets, our shower heads, there's just minerals and, and, and deposits that, that build up and build up and build up. And they choke off the flow. You know, we, we've tried different techniques, but, you know, eventually it always happens that it builds up and it builds up and, 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 and you, you turn it on. You turn the faucet on and you're expecting to get a good flow and you're just getting a little trickle. What are you saying, Brother Abhart? I'm saying that, that church, you're only, getting a little, you're only getting a little trickle of what God has for you because of the deposits that you've allowed to accumulate on your heart. The Lord wants you to be vulnerable to Him. He wants you to be open. You're going to have to. You're going to have to demonstrate your love and your giving. You're going to have to demonstrate your openness and your, and your, your prayers. You're going to have to fast the fast unto the Lord. That's just what the Scripture says. And then we went on and we talked about laying up treasures. In Matthew 6 and 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And he goes on to say, To lay up your treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Four things that we said is that to lay up, you have to expend more energy than what's required for you to survive. Number two is that you're going to have to bring forth, you're going to have to cause to happen. Number three, we said to lay up, you need to make preparations to provide for. And number four, we said to lay up means that you're going to have to, you're going to have to actually store up. You got to store up. That means that, that what you've accumulated, you can't, listen, you can't, only go into this mode of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it when there's an emergency. I'm going to bring it when there's a, a present crisis. No, you always be ready. Always be ready. I know I'll miss, I'll miss speaking. What does it say? Don't, don't wait to get ready. Get ready and wait patiently on the Lord. We talked about when it says where, where moth and rust doth corrupt, that the, the sources of corruption, and it's in your conversation, it's in your, it's in your, 
your, your intentions. It's in your heart. And the, the, the result of that is always death. The wages of sin is always, the, the, the result of sin is always death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Go to Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to look at Matthew 6. We're going to read this and do a little touching on this, and then we're going to go to the next top, the next portion. Matthew 6 and 22, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Say so that when it talks about a light, it's talking about a lamp. It's also talking about a focus. Say so that a light is used to navigate into dark places. The Lord says that we are, Jesus says that we are the light of the world. But it says that, that our light, the light of the body, is the eye. That means that your, your, your focus, your attention, your motivation, your intent. It says that if you're in darkness, how much more the world? If you are in darkness, how much more the world? In Luke 6 and 39, Jesus is speaking a parable. And he says, and he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall not both fall into the ditch? He's calling the Pharisees blind, but he's also saying those that follow after them, they're also blind. That they know not where they go. They are not able to lead you out of dark places. They're not able to help you to navigate where the Lord has for you to go. Verse 22, it says, If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And so when we look at this, the, the, the eye that is single, it's able to fill the whole body with light. What is, what is meant by this, this single eye, this, this single focus? Three things I want to give you. It means that your purpose powers your works. When I say purpose, the, the, the direction that you have set your heart, the, the place that you have fixed your eye on as, as your objective, as, as the end state, that's your purpose. Your purpose powers your works. Go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel is of the tribe of Judah. 
he and several of the young men of the nation of Judah had been captured by Babylon. They'd been captured by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He's taken them from Jerusalem and he's, he's brought them into a holding place. What, what rulers would do often is that instead of allowing, in order to make sure that there was no rebellion, in order to make sure that they ruled absolutely, that the people were without leadership, they were without guidance, they would focus on the young, the, the young people that were, that were about to come of age. You know, the enemy hasn't changed any of his tactics. He's, he's focusing on our young people now. He wants to get those that are, that are just about ready to come of age, to just about ready to be useful for the kingdom. And those are the ones that he wants to, to pull away, to take their focus away. And so they took these young men and they, and they took them to a place. And they said, well... These are the men from the, the, the respected houses, the royal houses. These are those that, for example, if we had let them stay in position, if we let them stay in place, they may have claimed leadership roles in their nation. They may have claimed uh, government positions in their nation. The people would have looked to them for inspiration and for guidance. The people would have looked to them for help. But he's, 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 he's gathered them in. He's conscripted all the young, the young men of Judah from the, 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 the noble houses. And, and what they do is that they, they take these young men and they indoctrinate them. They, they, they strip them of their identity. They strip them of their history. And they, they make them ashamed of their culture, of where they came from. And they say, in order to be successful, you need to identify with the prevailing power. You need to follow the ways of Babylon. In fact, they, they changed Daniel's name. They changed the names of the, of the young men so that they, they didn't even have their names anymore. Because if they had remembered what their names were, they would have remembered what their names meant. They would have remembered the promise that was in those names. So the, the king, he says, no, we're going we're to take away your name. We're going to give you another name that's more suitable to us. And so here Daniel is. He, he is with this group of young men. I, I can imagine it wasn't just, just him and, uh, and uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. I can imagine there was probably you know thousands of young men that had been taken out of their homes in Jerusalem from the tribe of Judah and had been taken into this foreign land. But look at verse 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel had, had his heart fixed on God. Now listen, some people would have said, Daniel, that God that you were believing in, that God that your parents were telling you about, how can that be the true God? Because here you are, you have been taken away from your home. 
You've been stripped of your possessions. There were no Playstations. There were no Nintendo Switches. He didn't even have his original clothes. He couldn't even wear his shoes that he wanted or the clothes that he liked to wear. No, everything that he had was that which the king Nebuchadnezzar had provided for him. It was according to the Babylonian system. Nothing that he was familiar with was left to his own. And so Daniel, he could have, he could have said, well, my God is the God that keeps me now. My God is the God that is strong now. My God is the God that is before my eyes. And why do I say that? I say that because young people, too often, that, that's the God that you have, you've said, my God is the God that gives me a paycheck. My God is a God that gives me a grade. My God is a God that gives me a status or a, 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 a star or a pat on the back or a letter or certificate. But Daniel's heart was fixed on the, the true God. It did not matter that he had been taken away from his home. It did not matter that he was not in favor that he was not popular. He said that the Lord was his end state. That was his des- that, that's where his eyes were fixed. That's where his focus was. That's where his attention was gained. He says, this is my objective, that I may attain to the favor of the Lord. And you can see it as, as Nebuchadnezzar, he's having... He's being visited by dreams. And in his dreams, they, they, they disturb him. And he calls all of his so-called wise men and astrologers. He says, look, I know you all. You all will lie to me as soon as look at me. So I'm not going to tell you what the dream was, but I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And they tried to argue with the king. Listen, where the king is, listen, the, the, the sword is not in vain. The, the king has power in his kingdom. They tried to argue with the king. He says, King, I know you said you wanted it one way, but we can't do it that way. So this is the way you need to accept it. The king does not have to accept what you want to offer. So Nebuchadnezzar says, well, great. I hear your answer. Here's my answer. If you can't answer me in this dream, tell me what the dream was and the interpretation thereof, I'm going to have all of you killed. Some of you think that, that, that your, your, your skills, that what you bring to the table is enough to sustain you. You're, you're going to find out that if you serve the king of this world, that he's going he's to call you up. He's going to place a demand on you that you're not going to want to make. He says, well, listen, you know, um, if you don't want to come in on Saturday, don't, don't bother coming in on Monday. So Daniel, he, he, he hears, Daniel was not, I noticed that Daniel, he was not present. He was not brought before the king because actually the, those, those, 
those Jewish boys, those boys from Judah, they were considered to be second class among the, the, uh, the, the scholars and the learned men. You know, yeah, they had passed the courses, but they, they didn't have the ancestry. They didn't have the, uh, the, the birth track record. So Daniel was not there before the king when all this was going on, but, but because he was numbered among the wise men, he was also going to be impacted. And so he hears that, wait a second, the, the king is going to kill all the wise men, including us? We just got here. So he says, listen, listen. Go to Daniel. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. Look at verse 16. It says, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel's like, wait a second. King, if you just give me, just give me, a, just give me some time. I can, I, can, I can get you what you're looking for. Verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. It's always good to surround yourselves at, with, with people that are of like mind. These young men had all four decided that they would not, they would not defile themselves with the king's meat. That they would only worship the true God. They would not call the God of that land their God because they knew who God was. And they knew that his kingdom was not bounded by geography. It was not bounded by time. But that as God was without limits, that his kingdom was without limits. Verse 18, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And we see here that Daniel, then he begins to sing his, his song of, of, of praise. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, when Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Listen, Daniel, he didn't have that corrosion. He didn't have those mineral deposits scaled up. He didn't have to get ready to get ready. When the time came, he was ready. He says, Lord, in his night visions, he didn't even have to tell. He's like, listen, I, I don't even, I'm not going to even say that God may give me the interpretation. He says, I'm going to give the king the interpretation. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And I love this, this, this song that he sings. It says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that no understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. The light dwelleth, the light 
dwelleth with him. Jesus said that we are the light. The light dwelleth with him. As we are with him, we have light. Verse 23, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And Daniel goes out and he tells the king, not only does he tell the king what his dream was, but he told the king what the interpretation of that dream was. And the king knew it to be true. Listen, in order for your eye to be single, you, your, your purpose, number one, your, your purpose, it powers your works. Where you set your heart, where you fixed your focus, it powers your heart. Your, your, it powers your works. Number two, your focus, in order for your eye to be single, your focus cannot be diverted by temptations, by trials, and by your lusts. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This is, where you're, this is where you can't be diverted. This is where you can't be turned away. It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all, in all his ways. The old folks, they, they used to say 99, 99, 99 and a half won't do. It says, Lord, Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred. Ninety-nine and a half won't do it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't, you can't say, Lord, I'm only going to go just so far and no further. You're going to have to go all the way. You can't say, Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, but I have an escape. No, you, you, and a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't say, Lord, you know, I was, I was in church on Sunday. But I don't, I don't know what's going to happen on Wednesday night. I don't know what's going to happen on Friday night. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday night. If I'm with you, that's fine. If I'm, if I'm, with, if I'm somewhere else, that's, that's fine too. No. No. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, something that I, that I, would, that I would tell people is the way that you do anything. It's the way that you do everything. The way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. And so, 
I always encourage in my house, I say, you know, even when you're, when you're in the kitchen and you're cooking, the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. I say, well, look, if you're going to cook, listen, fine. Have, have all the fun that you want to. Get the ingredients. Chop them up. Prepare them. Use every appliance in the kitchen. Use every skillet and pot that you want to. But all that stuff has to be put back to where it was before. It's not just a question of I'm going to, I'm going to rinse it off and then leave it for later. No, the way that you do anything is the way that you do everything. So, so you, you had fun with the cooking. You had fun with the eating. Now let's have fun with the cleaning. And it's not clean if it's sitting on the counter. You know when it's clean? It's clean when it's put back in the cabinets where it came from. It's clean when it's put back where you got it from. So you can't, you can't say, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, there, there are a lot of confusions that could happen. You know, when you don't know if something is clean or if it's dirty, you know, I know we've talked about it at the church on, on, on time too. You know, you might pick up a glass and there's lipstick on it. You're like, well, was this washed? How did this, how did this get confused with what was supposed to be clean? You know, too often in our lives, because we've, we've mixed up some things, because we, we, we've, we've gone part way and, and taken half measures, we find that our conversation, you know, something just kind of comes out and you're like, oh, wait a second, where did that come from? How did, how did, that, what, how did that get into this setting? I thought I had that set aside for this other setting. But the way you do anything is the way that you do everything. So scripture tells us that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you, if you, if you never want to get caught in a lie, always tell the truth. If you never want to be ashamed, make sure that your work is done. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so your focus, it can't be diverted. You know, even science tells us that we can't, you know, we say that we can multitask, but we can't. We think that we can multitask, but we can't. We think that we can do a little something over here and a little something over there and maybe one more thing. But it turns out that actually you're missing. You're missing. Even as you're listening to this message tonight, you can't, you can't listen to the message while you're cooking dinner and while you're trying to make the children to be quiet and while you're answering to get the package from the door because you're missing. You're missing what God is saying. You can't allow your focus to be diverted. You can't allow your attention to be split. Number three, your, your hope has to be centered on God's promises. Your hope has to be centered on God's promises. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they say, you know, hope is, it becomes a negative word. You know, we had a, um, you know, a big, a big hope, a big hope revolution some years back. And whenever there's, there, there's something that goes one way, there's always the backlash that comes against it, right? 
And so now people are like, no, you can't be all, you know, hopey, changey. You know, I've heard people say that, you know, hope is not a strategy. Um, you know, what, what, what are we going to do about that? We're just going to hope. No, you can't, hope is not a strategy. But your hope has to be centered on God's promises. If you're going to hope in anything, I know it's easy to hope and count on men because you can see them. You can, you can touch them. You feel like you can manipulate and control them. But your, your hope has to be centered on God's promises, the, the God that you can't see. Listen, the God that you cannot manipulate, the God that you cannot control. Your hope has to be centered on his promises. This is, this is a father speaking to his children. Your hope has to be centered on God's promises. Romans, go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Just reading verse 24, it says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. If we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We're not waiting to get ready. We are, we are ready and we are waiting to do the Lord's pleasure. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. In he, the book of Hebrews, it talks about Abraham. It talks about Noah. It talks about Abel and Enoch. And one passage in particular that I wanted to pull out of this chapter 11 is, is where it talks about Abraham and his sons and his son's sons. It says, verse, verse 9, Hebrews 11 and 9, for By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. It's talking about Abraham, that he was called to go to a place he didn't even know what this place was. He was as, as one wandering in the dark. And the Lord was his light. Abraham goes to this place. And he obeyed. And when he was in this land of promise, he dwelt there not as a, as a ruler, not as a benefactor, but as a stranger in the land as a stranger in the land of promise. It says it wasn't just him, but it was also Isaac, his son. It was also Jacob, Isaac's son. Jump down to verse 8, verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. 
and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Sister, these, these men of faith, they, they, they died in faith. Many times we say, Lord, if you come through, if you don't come through this week, I'm done with you. If, if, if I'm not married by the time I'm 25, I'm, I'm through with you. If I can't get the job by the summer after I graduate, Lord, that's it. I'm going my own way. Lord, if, 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 if this woman that you gave me doesn't learn how to act right, then that's it. I'm done with it. The Lord says that, that these all, they died in faith. They died in faith, not having received the promises. But what they did is they, they saw them afar off. Their focus, their intention, their, their goal was only to do the Lord's pleasure. And they embraced them and confessed them. And they, they did not become assimilated to their environment. But they considered themselves to be strangers in the land. Now listen, Abraham has said that he, he, he accumulated great wealth. He had flocks and he had people. Isaac carried on and, and redug his father's wells. Jacob, it said, was, was a man of, of, of great means. But they didn't consider themselves to be people of the land. They didn't, they, they didn't consider themselves to be the same as. In fact, when they spoke of the Hebrew people, the Hebrew people were considered to be those people that are different. Those people that are odd. Those people that are strange. And this is because they, they embraced the hope that was beyond what, they, what, what was visible, what was in front of them. Verse, thir- verse 16, it says... But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared them a city. Their desire was for a better country. They said, Lord, we want your kingdom to be here. In our hearts, we want it to be here on this earth. And they weren't willing to settle. They weren't willing to settle for the limitations of, 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 their, of their time. They weren't willing to settle for the limitations of their flesh. They said, no, Lord, our, our focus is on your promise. Our intention is beyond what it is that we see. It's beyond what it is that we experience. Our hope is centered on your promises. Listen, when we talk about purpose, when we talk about focus, when we talk about hope, how does this relate to the Father's care for His children? Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 5. When we talk about purpose, we talk about focus, we talk about hope. And we tie it into the Father's care for His children. Because He he wants your eye to be single. 
if, if your eye is not single and you're in darkness, how, how great is that darkness? If you are to be the light of the world and you are dark, how great is the darkness? 1 Peter chapter 5. Looking at verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I love that word care. It means casting all of your concern, casting your attention. That which pertaineth to you. Now, a lot of times when we see this word care, in a negative it means anxiety. It's talking about stress. But that's, that's when your concern, when your attention, when your focus is on those things that are outside of the kingdom. What does that mean? Those things that are outside of the king's power. Outside of his control. That are outside of his, his will and his desire. But if you cast your cares upon him, if you say, Lord, the thing where my eye is, the thing where my focus is, I give it over to you. It says that, that he cares for you. That, that his concern. As, as you take those things that are of your concern and you give them to the Lord, then the Lord's concern is for you. Now his provision is towards you. Now his power is towards you. Go to Psalm 55. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Psalm 55. Verse 22, it says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. It says, Cast your burdens. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He's going to keep you. And it says he shall never suffer. That means that he's not going to allow. He's not going to allow the righteous to be moved. That means he's not going to allow them to be defeated. He's not going to allow you to go without. Why? Because the Father cares for you. So listen, Jesus, in this passage, he's talking about keeping your eye single. And all these scriptures, they demonstrate 
why your eye should be single. The, the, the key importance that your eye would be single. You are the light of the world. But your eye is the light of the body. If you are in darkness, if your eye is not single, if you have not purposed in your heart, if your focus is not on the Lord, if your hope is not centered on God's promises, if you're not certain that His care Listen, a lot of times, I'll just end with this. Sometimes we can't, we can't keep our eye on one thing because we're trying to keep our eyes on everything. We, we know that if we keep our eye in one particular direction, that that, that means that, that we're open and exposed on all other areas. But God, God wants you to know Keep your focus on Him. Keep your focus on Him because He is actually able to care for you. He is actually able to sustain you. He's actually able to keep you. And taking your eyes off of Him and trying to focus on all these other things off to the side, many of those things you can't do anything at all about. And some things will only be there to cause you to become busy and to become distracted. Keeping your eyes on Him, and He will sustain you. He will keep you. So listen, this, this is the reason why we're going to talk next week about how. We're going to talk about how to maintain your focus. How to develop your thought life so that you can be that light, so that you can be that lamp. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.